Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, Gateway. It's uh, really great today to be able to share this message with all five campuses. I, uh, I love the fact that we are now one big church family in five different campuses and God is at work in fantastic ways in every campus. So a big welcome to everyone from every campus. I want to share a message today that God has put on my heart. He's been building in my heart over the last few months and I'm confident that it's for our whole church. I'm confident that this is a word for every campus. And the word is a really simple word. And the word is simply others, that the church exists for the sake of others that are not here yet, that as followers of Jesus, we're we're called to reach others with the gospel that have not yet been reached with the gospel, that as followers of Jesus, we're actually called to minister to and serve the needs of others. The problem is we live in this very self-centered world that's motivated by meeting our own needs and not the needs of others. I've actually been reminded of this just in the last few weeks with the arrival of our beautiful little granddaughter, Aurelia. I mean, Aurelia is very cute and very cuddly, but she's also very self-centered. Life is all about her. And it's all about others meeting her needs. So, I mean, she doesn't say it in words, but when she pulls this face, it means I need milk and I need milk now. And there's only one other person that can meet her needs. But Caitlin has to kind of drop everything and put everything that she wants to do aside to meet Aurelia's needs for milk at that moment. About 30 minutes later, she pulls this face, and this face means I need to burp, and I need to burp now. And it's amazing, in our house, many people will come running for the opportunity to burp Aurelia and have the possibility of having projectile vomit all over them. People come running from everywhere to meet Aurelia's needs. And then about 30 minutes later... You know, she might pull this face, and it means I need to fill my nappy and probably all of my clothing and whatever furniture or person I'm sitting on with brown, vile goop. I just need to poo. And I don't care what anybody else wants or what anybody else is doing, it's what I need to do, and I'm doing it now. And then once everyone kind of gets cleaned up and ready to go out and and do something, she might pull this face and it means I need to sleep. And I don't care if I've kept everybody awake all night, I need to sleep now. It's what I want and life is all about me. You know, I tell you, it's lucky. It's lucky this girl is cute and cuddly because she is very, very self Centered. Life is all about others meeting her needs. And every single one of us is actually born self centered. We're born wanting others 
to meet our needs. And one of the signs of maturity is actually that we're willing to put others' needs first. As we, as we get mature, where we actually become willing and able to meet the needs of others and life is not all about me. But, but we live in this self-centered world. We, we live in a world that encourages us from every angle to keep being self-centered, to keep making life, you know, all about me. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Jesus' growing up years. We kind of see him as a, a little baby, you know, around Aurelia's age where, you know, everyone's racing to him to give him lavish presents and it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And then we kind of see him as a young boy when he runs away from his parents, which is a pretty naughty thing to do, but he actually, you know, runs to church because he wants to be with his father and so we all kind of say, oh, that, that's okay. But we don't know too much uh, about Jesus' growing up years. It does say that he continued to grow in, in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and with man. And what we do see uh, at the age of 30 is a very mature person. We, we see a, a person, as Jesus begins his ministry, who is not at all self-centred, but he chooses to minister to the needs of others. And most of us here today would say we're very, very thankful for that. Because if Jesus was self-centred, he never would have given up his life to meet our needs for forgiveness. Our, our needs to be saved from this self-centred mess we've made of our lives and of this world. But it's not just at the end of his life that we see Jesus you know, living an others-centred life. It's right from the beginning of his ministry. Now, in Luke chapter 4, you know, we see Jesus begins his ministry by standing up in his hometown church in Nazareth and he preaches his first ever sermon. And at the start, it's going pretty well. You know, he's, he's preaching from the book of Isaiah and he says, you know, I'm, I'm, there's good news for the poor. You know, the oppressed are going to be set free. The blind are going to see. You know, I'm here to announce the year of the Lord's favour. It's good news. He's talking about the year of Jubilee, when old debts would be forgiven and everybody would get a fresh start, clean slate. It was really good news and everybody's cheering him on. They're saying, preach it, Jesus. This is a good message. But then Jesus says, you know, I'm not just another prophet like the prophet Isaiah that he's reading from, he says, I'm actually the promise that all the prophets spoke about. I'm actually the promised Messiah that all the prophets have been pointing to. I'm here to save you from this self-centered mess that you've made of the world. And you'd kind of think everybody would be cheering. Everybody be saying, you know, thank you, God. Finally, someone is here to save us. God is here to save us. God is with us. You might think that, but you'd be completely wrong. Listen to what happens at this point in Jesus' first ever sermon. It says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way 
Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. You know, Jesus preaches his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, and the people want to drive him out of town and throw him off a cliff. You know, when I was 22, I preached my first sermon in my hometown church, and it was terrible. It was a three-point sermon because that's what I was taught to do. And I, I remember getting halfway through point two. And I just could not remember what I was supposed to say next. I, I remember staring down at my notes, just trying to find where I was up to. And I just couldn't find it. There was silence. Three times that happened. It was so embarrassing. I'm thankful that nobody in my hometown church tried to drive me out of town and throw me off a cliff. I mean, I wanted to hide under a rock for three days and not see anybody. You know, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had you know, some of our own you know, homegrown preachers preaching some of their first uh, messages in all of our campuses uh, it was our Emerging Communicators Day, and they all did a great job. You know, here at Mackenzie in the morning, Danny, the dog whisperer, Bryant, <laughs> preached uh, a great uh, uh, message in our morning services. On Sunday night, uh, JT uh, preached a great message. I've just loved watching JT come to faith here in our youth group and, and grow up and just do a, a fantastic job serving our young people here at Mackenzie. You know, down at Ormo, Jimmy the Jet Bignall uh, preached his first ever message and he did a fantastic job. Down in Redlands, Mark, the Bishop Dean, he put on his preaching glasses and he preached up a storm. Uh, down, in, down in Logan, uh, Benny, the boy from Ballarat, uh, went down to Logan and he preached a great message down there. And in our brand new city campus, you know, Hannah, I never stop smiling white, preached a crack of a message and uh, I know bless many, many people. I tell you, I, I'm really thankful that nobody drove them out of town or threw them off a cliff. I, I'm really, I love this about our church. You know, I, I love that, not that, you know, we refrain from uh, throwing young preachers off a cliff, but I love the fact that we are committed to raising up a young generation of preachers and leaders who are going to reach the next generation that are not yet reached with the gospel. I love this about our church. I'm looking forward to cheering these guys on and I know that all of you are cheering them on as they begin to step in to new spaces of influence and teach the good news of Jesus. But when Jesus turns up and stands up in his hometown church and preaches his first sermon, they're not so encouraging. They actually choose to plot his demise now, Jesus actually gets rejected at Nazareth. But he's not too dejected to reach others. It simply says he walked through the crowd and went on to, to preach the good news in, in Capernaum. You see, Jesus was not too dejected to reach others. 
when he was rejected at first. You know, I, I wonder whether some of us have felt rejected when we've gone to share the good news of Jesus with others and we've got dejected. We've actually given up on sharing the good news with those that we live, work and laugh with because we've been rejected in the past. I wonder if we're just in every campus this morning, we can just be a little bit honest and say, that, that's me. If that's you this morning and you just say, you know, I, I've tried sharing the good news of Jesus with others and I've been rejected and I've got a little bit dejected. Just, just put your hand up and say, that's me today. That's, that's where I'm at. Thank you. I, I appreciate your honesty today. And we're, we're going to pray uh, a little bit later that, that God will do something powerful in you if you're feeling dejected today. You know, rejection's powerful. You know, some of you have been rejected from a job you really wanted. Some of you have been rejected from a team that you wanted to be a part of. Some of you have been rejected from a relationship that you really desired. And rejection is powerful. What it does, it dissuades you from wanting to go back there again. That you lose confidence to actually want to, you know, put yourself into that situation again. You know, when I, when I was young, I was actually rejected from the hairdressers. Anyone else in any campus been rejected from the hairdressers? I was. The hairdresser got halfway through cutting my hair and she said, I have never seen knits that big in anyone's hair. You're out of here. And she sent me out halfway through a haircut. I need a haircut right now, but I don't want to go back there because I'm scared of being rejected again. That's not quite true. I'm just lazy. But, you know, we don't want to go back to the place that we've been rejected. Rejection's powerful. So how does Jesus, when he's rejected, not get too dejected to go and reach others? I reckon the key is in verse 14 of chapter 4 in Luke. And it says, Jesus returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus as a man needed to be empowered by the Spirit for ministry. And this is, a, this is a key for all of us. There was a power that was at work within Jesus that was greater than the power of what happened to him. And it's true for every single one of us. There's a power that God will, do, will put within us by his Holy Spirit that is greater than the power of what has happened to us. It was true for Peter. Ordinary bloke sees Jesus getting rejected on the night that he's crucified and he denies even knowing Jesus. But, but weeks later, just weeks later, Peter, now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of all the people who crucified Jesus and he said, you crucified the Son of God. You, you need to repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus. And he calls people to be saved and it says 3,000 people were saved that day. There was a new power at work within him. You know, Timothy's a young leader. I really resonate with someone like Timothy. He's a timid guy. And he's sharing the good news of Jesus in a very hostile environment in Ephesus. And he's getting rejected time and time again. And he's thinking of giving up. 
And Paul, his mentor, says to him, Timothy, you have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but you've actually been given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So do not give up. Join me in suffering for the gospel. There was a power at work in them that was greater than the power of what had happened to them. And if you're feeling a little bit dejected because you've been rejected today, we're going to pray a little bit later on that God would fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit. Because when you get on with the mission of Jesus, you will get rejected. There will be days that you be rejected. You know, Jesus himself said, he said, he reminds his disciples near the end of his life, he says, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Good news for all of us today. If you're going to share the good news of Jesus, you will get rejected sometimes. You will get rejected sometimes. But don't get too dejected because there are others who will receive the good news with joy. I mean, look what happens in Capernaum. It says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. You see, Jesus was accepted in Capernaum, but he was not apathetic to reach others. You see, in Nazareth, they want to throw him off a cliff. But in Capernaum, they love him. In Capernaum, Jesus is a rock star. It's kind of like, you know, they're camping out outside his hotel room. They're waiting for him to, you know, to come down the mountain. They, they, they want to be near him and they don't want him to leave. They're saying, Jesus, we love what you're doing. We love your good news. We love that you're healing people. We love that you're setting us free from this self-centered mess that we've made of this world. Stay here with us. Never leave. You know, where Jesus was rejected in Nazareth, he was accepted in Capernaum. He was applauded in Capernaum. He was affirmed in Capernaum. It must have been tempting for Jesus to stay in Capernaum because Capernaum was comfortable. We like to be in places that are comfortable. We like to stay in places where we're accepted. We're affirmed. We might even be applauded. I mean, I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable in all of our campuses at Gateway because I'm accepted. I'm even sometimes affirmed. And most of the time, you actually even agree with me that Jesus is good news. I mean, just in all of our campuses right now, I just want to ask you, if you believe that Jesus is good news for you and for your life and for the world, why don't you put your hands together this morning and just give him praise? You see, most of us 
are, are applauding Jesus right now because we agree with that. Some of you aren't applauding because you're too cool for school and it wouldn't matter what the person up the front said. You are going to be disobedient and you're not going to do what anybody says. And some of you aren't applauding because you're not there yet. You haven't yet decided if Jesus is good news for you. And can I say, if that's you this morning, in all of our campuses, you're so welcome here. It's why we've planted these campuses in the first place. It's for people like you to come and just discover who Jesus is, discover that he truly is good news. I wonder if some of us this morning... We've actually got a little bit apathetic about reaching others with the gospel. We've got comfortable surrounding ourselves with people who accept us, people who agree with us, people who affirm us, people who sometimes even applaud us. And it's just easier to stay in that little bubble where it's comfortable rather than to step out into places where people may not yet agree with us and to share the good news about Jesus. I wonder if we can all just be a little bit honest this morning, if you'd say, I've made life pretty comfortable and I've got a little bit apathetic about reaching others with the good news of Jesus. Can I just get a a show of hands? Thank you. I just want to thank you for your honesty this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity a little bit later on to actually step out of your comfort zone before the end of this year. I want to give you an opportunity I think all of us can do. All of us can actually take this step out of our comfort zone to reach others with the good news. Can I just pause for a moment this morning and just share a little bit of my own journey over the course of this year? You know, I... uh, I do love leading this church. Uh, I love what God is doing in all of our campuses. But God has been stirring something in my heart uh, over this year that I want to just uh, share about for a few moments. Most of you will know that we're actually a church that's actually part of a movement of churches right across Queensland called Queensland Baptists. There are 220 churches that are part of the movement of churches called Queensland Baptists. In the last 18 months, the Queensland Baptist Board have uh, gone through a significant review process to review everything that we're doing across the state. And and at its heart, it's to uh, make sure that we are being effective in mission, in reaching the lost and making disciples uh, as well as we possibly can uh, across this state. And they've made some really wise and really courageous decisions to make some changes for the future. And amidst all of those changes is to a significant uh, change to the leadership structure and particularly to uh, the leadership role that was called the general superintendent that was uh, leading across Queensland Baptists. And they've actually changed that role into uh, two different roles. One is a full-time role 
called the Director of uh, Queensland Baptist Ministry Services. And it's a role that leads all of the ministry services right across the state uh, of Queensland that are helping us fulfil the mission that God has called us to. And it's really exciting. Stuart Peeper, one of our members has uh, here at Gateway, has been appointed to that role in the last few months and he's doing a, a fantastic job. The other role is called the Director of the Queensland Baptist Movement. And they've actually designed that to be a part-time role for someone who is still leading uh, in a local church somewhere in Queensland and brings vision and strategic direction to all that we're doing uh, right across the state and to all of our churches and uh, helping us to raise up leaders, plant churches and become effective in making disciples uh, across the state. If you've heard me speak and pray over the years, you know that I've got a real passion just to do whatever I can do to, uh, to see the church in Australia become effective in mission. And I've always thought that that would be by leading uh, a local church and taking the opportunities that I'm given to speak into other local churches. And I love doing that here. And I love the opportunity to share in other places. Next uh, weekend, Susan and I uh, will be speaking at a conference in Ballarat and some churches in Ballarat. We're really looking forward to that. But earlier this year, uh, some people uh, suggested to me that I should consider applying for the Queensland uh, Baptist Director of of Movement role. And and to be honest, I I couldn't quite shake it. And I just kept feeling that maybe uh, God is in this. So after a lot of prayer and uh, discussions with Susan and with our board of elders here at Gateway, I did put in an expression of interest for the role. And part of that expression of interest was saying that I wouldn't be able to start till January 2021 because it would take a while to transition the leadership at Gateway for me to uh, move into a part-time role at Gateway and uh, lead the state part-time. And also, I uh, would only have five Sundays mornings a year that I could give to preaching in other churches around the state because I don't want to diminish uh, what God's called me to do here at Gateway. I love preaching uh, on Sundays and I believe it's a really important part of my role and I don't want to see that change. Well, a couple of uh, months ago, uh, the Queensland Baptist Board uh, offered me that role beginning in January 2021, and there'll be an email going out right across the state tonight uh, to all the churches uh, nominating me for that role and for John Sweetman to take on an interim role uh, until the end of 2020 in that role. I feel very honoured to be invited Uh, into that role and with the blessing of the churches across the state and with your blessing uh, at Gateway, I am becoming very excited about the influence that uh, God could give me on other towns throughout the state for the gospel. Some of you might be thinking it sounds a little bit overwhelming. I mean, how how are you going to lead gateway with five campuses and, uh, and lead the state uh, movement. 
And I understand that. There's been times I've felt a little overwhelmed in the last few months. But uh, God has done a good work in me. And there's a few reasons, and I won't go into all of how it's going to work. There's a letter from Matt Gray, uh, our chairman of the board, that you can pick up on the way out that explains a little more and invites you to a meeting in just a few weeks' time uh, to understand this change a little better. But I'll tell you the reasons I think I'm not too overwhelmed anymore about this role. Uh, Firstly, is because we have a great team here at Gateway. We've got a fantastic staff team. Come on, why don't just every campus, just put our hands together for our ministry team here at at Gateway. Uh, So a great team, godly people, competent people, uh, just doing a fantastic job uh, leading our church. It's a real privilege to lead them. Secondly... Gateway's a great church. We are a kingdom-focused church, an others-focused church. We've always been about reaching out to others to be a blessing to others. And uh, I really believe we're going to be in this together. Uh, Even though this will be my responsibility, it's only possible because of the kingdom heart that's in this church And I really believe together we're going to see God do something mighty across the state of Queensland. And and lastly, and most importantly, we've got a great God. We've got a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we've ever asked or imagined according to his power at work within us. So can I ask you this morning to pray? Please pray for all our churches in the Queensland Baptist movement across the state. Pray for the Queensland Baptist Board. Pray for our Board of Elders. Please pray for our staff team as we uh, work out what some of these transitions should be. And please pray for Susan and I as we, uh, we work through some of this. Look, we'd really love to uh, be called by God to keep leading at Gateway for the next 10 years. That, that's our heart. And uh, so we really believe God is uh, going to make a way for this uh, to happen. And we're going to see a gospel influence in other towns right across this state. Hey, look, Jesus was rejected at Nazareth, but he was not too dejected to reach others. Jesus was accepted in Capernaum, but not apathetic uh, to reach others. But at the end of this season of ministry for Jesus, we see that Jesus was surrounded by many, many people with great needs, but he was not overwhelmed to reach others. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. You see, Jesus was surrounded by need in every town, but he was not overwhelmed to reach others. He goes from town to town, and everywhere he goes, there are people with great needs. But he never gets overwhelmed. I wonder if some of us this morning, whether we're looking around at the mission that Jesus has given us to reach lost and broken people with the good news, 
and we get a little bit overwhelmed and we don't know where to start. Can I just get a, just a, one more show of hands this morning? If you'd say, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed and I just don't know where to start with sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Just, just in all our campuses, just stick your hand up just for a moment. Again, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. And, and I want to give you an opportunity this morning that, that I think is a really simple place for us all to start when we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You see, Jesus surrounded in every town by great need, but he never gets overwhelmed. He has compassion on everyone that he sees, and he knows that there are many who are ready to receive the good news if someone would tell them. And so he says, let's pray. Let's pray for more people to go and to share the good news so that more people would come to know my good news. And I've got to say, I love this about the heart of our church. We've felt the heart of compassion, God's heart of compassion for those in need right around the world. And we've sent some great people into our community, into our nation and around the world to share his good news. I love this about our church. That we're opening care centres in every campus. In every campus, we're in the process of opening up care centres for people in need to come in and discover that there is a God in heaven who knows their name and he cares about them because there's a local church who actually is there for them and cares for them. You know, down in Logan, we've got people coming from other nations to our care works ministry and they're discovering that there's a church that loves them, that welcomes them, that's here to give them a helping hand as they get started in this new nation. And we've sent some great people right around the world to meet some significant needs around the world. Just in the last few years, we've seen together us be able to open a medical centre in, in Kitkum, Uganda, one of the most war-ravaged places in, in the world, and people are finding healing in Jesus' name. In, in the Congo, in one of the poorest nations uh, in the world, you know, we are training up doctors to see that the sick get healed in a place where it really sucks to be sick. You know, if you uh, go into Kampala in Uganda, you know, we've planted a church in Sharima and young boys are coming off the street and are finding hope in, in Jesus' name. You know, in Southeast Asia, we've planted bloom training centres for girls to be rescued from sex trafficking and find hope and purpose in, in Jesus. I love this about the heart of our church. But we cannot live vicariously through a few that go and share the good news of Jesus. And we cannot export around the world what we are not all willing to do ourselves right here. We are all sent somewhere to reach someone with the good news. If you're not sent to deepest, darkest Africa or into the villages of Southeast Asia, then you are sent to the Rochdale Footy Club. You are sent to level seven of the Suncorp building in the city. You are sent to your mother's group, to your school, to your university. We're all sent somewhere to reach someone with the good news of Jesus. And I know sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And I just want to take us back to one of our values this morning as we finish. And it's the value of ones. 
We believe that everyone is valuable and needs to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. You know, in, in 1991, the Australian government decided that one-cent pieces had so little value, they stopped making them. But in Luke chapter 15, we see that ones, in this, in this big, overwhelming world full of broken and needy people, we see in Luke chapter 15 that everyone is so valuable to God. Every one lost, broken, needy person is so valuable to God that an all-out search is called for until they're found. They actually become the priority of heaven. And every single one is welcomed into God's arms. And there's a huge celebration when just one person comes to know the good news of Jesus and gets saved for all eternity. Luke 15, verse 7, you know, it says, In the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who don't need to repent. You see, reaching others not yet reached with the gospel is the priority of heaven. And as followers of Jesus today in 2019 in Brisbane, it's got to be the priority for all followers of Jesus. You see, the reason we've planted these campuses, the reason you're sitting in a campus today, it is not just to hold more services. It's not so that we can run more kids' ministries or open more care centres. They're all great things to do. But it's so that we can all reach others that are not yet reached with the gospel and we can all reach one. You know, my challenge for all of us, whether we're feeling a little dejected this morning or, or whether we've gotten a little bit apathetic about reaching others, or whether we're just feeling a little overwhelmed about reaching others, we can all reach one. This is my challenge across our whole church, all campuses, before the end of the year. What if we were all willing to share our story of what Jesus has done in our life with just one other person? And we'd invite them to hear the life-changing story of Jesus at one of our services before the end of this year. I think that's a challenge we could all be a part of. And I believe we'll see God do something mighty if we all accept that challenge. And we've got some great services that you can invite uh, your friends and family to coming up. In the month of November, we're doing a series called Story. It's all out of Psalm 107, and there's four stories of, of just God at work doing good things in people's lives, and you're going to hear some great stories of how Jesus is still doing that in people's lives today. There'll be great services every Sunday, every campus in November. Invite your friends and family to hear the life-changing story of Jesus, and as usual, across all our campuses at Christmas time, we're going to have some great services just to invite your friends and family to to hear the good news of Jesus who came to be with us. Can we all accept that challenge this morning? Can I get one more show of hands this morning if you'd say, I think I could accept that challenge today. I'll share my story with one person and invite that one person to hear the life-changing story of Jesus. Just a show of hands if you'd say, I'm going to be part of that challenge. I bless you. That's cool. I tell you, the good news of Jesus is good. 
We all need saving from this self-centeredness that's inbuilt into our lives. We're all born self-centered. We live in a self-centered world. We all need saving from this self-centered mess that we've made of this world. The Bible calls it sin. And you know, good government is never going to change a self-centered heart. As good as good government is, good education, as good as good education is, it can't change a human heart. And, and good justice systems, as good as they are, they can deter bad behaviour, but they can't actually change, renew, transform a human heart. But the good news of Jesus changes human hearts. The good news of Jesus is that he saw us in our self-centred mess and he came to earth. The Son of God came to earth and he died on a cross and he took upon himself all of the, the punishment, all of what separated us from our heavenly Father, took all of that sin upon himself and he put it to death. What once separated us from the God who created us is gone. And on the third day, he rose from the dead to give all of us the opportunity to receive new life through faith in his death and his resurrection. It's good news for you today. You can be saved from the self-centered mess of your life. I want to give you an opportunity this morning in all of our campuses. If you today want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you want him to save you from sin, save you from self-centeredness that simply doesn't work. It doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work in family. It doesn't work in the workplace. It doesn't work in the world. It's making a mess around us and Jesus came to save you from it. If you're here this morning, you want to put your faith in Jesus and just know him giving you a new heart, a renewed heart, new hope, because you have a new relationship with the God who created you. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm just going to ask everyone on every campus just to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if, if you're here this morning, in every campus this morning, well, wherever you are, if you're here this morning and you'd say, I want that. I want Jesus to do that in me. I want him to forgive my sin. I want him to, to, to give me a new heart. I, wanna, I want him to give me new hope. I want a new relationship with God. Maybe it's a relationship you've never had or, or maybe it's one you knew a long time ago and you've walked away from it and it's time to come back to God. But if today is your day in all of our campuses, you want to pray that prayer, can I just get you to raise your hand right now? I won't see it. It's not about me. It's about you and God. It's an act of faith this morning saying to God, I'm praying that prayer. Just wherever you are this morning, just raise your hand and just say, that's my prayer. Bless you. Whoever you are in every campus, bless you today. Why don't we all just pray together this morning? Come on, just out loud together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for always loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And I ask that you would forgive me this morning. 
And I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.